Hello and welcome back to Victorial on Relay FM. I'm Quinn Rose. I'm someone who did not go to art school, but I love learning about art and continuing to learn about artists and exhibitions that I didn't have a lot of pre-existing knowledge of. Hi, and I'm Betty. I'm also someone who did not go to art school, but I also love learning about art. I have been working as a gallery guide uh, at an art gallery for the past eight years. And as with everything else that we talk about, I have seen a show at where I work of the particular artist that we'll be talking about today, um, although it will be it would be in a slightly different context. So this is actually the start of our very first two-part episode, because when we started looking into this topic, we realized there was so much here that it could not possibly fit into one episode. It needed to be broken up into two widely thematically paired (laughs) topics. So today we are broadly covering the artist Jean-Michel Basquiat, as well as specifically the exhibition at the Guggenheim in 2019 called um, Basquiat's Defacement, The Untold Story. This was a super interesting exhibit. Sadly, I was not able to see it. Were you, did you go see this exhibit? No, I was not. You know what? I was in New York during that time. Uh, now I, j- yeah. I just realized. But we were there together. Yeah, yeah. We were both there. <laughs> yes. You know what? This was one of the places I just, I guess I just didn't make it to. And now I wish I could have because that seems really interesting. I know everything that we've learned about this um, in the past week as we've been researching it has made me so sad that uh, one or both of us didn't go when we were in New York because we were literally there at the same time this exhibit was running. But uh, very sadly, um, we're not aware of it at the time. But now we're going back and sort of analyzing it from afar as best we can. Like I said, this was a really important exhibit for many reasons, which we'll actually be getting to a little bit more in our part two of the episode, which will focus on the curator, uh, Shadria Lebouvier, who was the first black curator at the Guggenheim. Um, She was brought in as a guest curator for this exhibit. And she had a lot of experiences when working with the Guggenheim. Some of them were positive. A lot of them were really negative. And uh, she recently had a tweet go viral as she called out the Guggenheim for making a Blackout Tuesday post. But after she had had many racist experiences uh, with some of the people and the management there. Um, so that's a whole topic that we're going to be kind of focusing in on in part two. But part one here, we're going to start with talking about what the exhibit actually was and the art that it covered and centered around. Uh, yeah, I just kind of want to start off with talking about like my personal experience and just like knowing who Basquiat is or actually not knowing who Basquiat was uh, really until I saw a show that featured his work or it was a entire show of his work back in 2015 at the AGO. Um, it was called uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat Now's the Time and that had it was a huge show it was like the biggest show um you know, in the city at the time. And uh, it had a lot of his work and some of the work that's featured in Defacement was also there in 2015. So even though I didn't get to see this show, I did get to see what was a part of it, but maybe in a different context. Although a lot of the content of Now's the Time also featured or also involved topics of, you know, racism and issues with police and, um, you know, 1980s New York and those types of topics. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I, I think I had heard of Basquiat before, but I didn't really know who he was until this show. And the really interesting thing about this show was that um, it actually 
broke a lot of records in Toronto in terms of like attracting not only just a lot of people but also like it was hugely success successful but it was hugely successful among like 20s and 30 year olds uh, whereas like generally most people who visit the art gallery are in their 50s or or higher so um it was it was just amazing how many young people we were able to bring into the gallery and also you know expose to an art museum and hopefully get their business in the future uh we really need now <laughs> so maybe we should bring back some Basquiat uh, but yeah so like I, I um, really enjoy the show and his work I, I just became super fascinated by it it had a lot of his work as well as works that he uh, collaborated with other artists like uh, Andy Warhol and Keith Haring as well as bigger catalog of his work like it includes some of his political messages it includes some of his uh, focus on like the music scene like hip-hop and jazz and then um, I actually personally really loved his pencil drawings or pencil crayon drawings I think like that actually became super fascinating to me I didn't even know he did that um, so anyway I, that was just kind of like sort of my background on what I know of this artist and um, in and then in sort of researching this show I was able to recall like what I saw the artworks that I indeed did see so I'm gonna talk a bit more on the ones that I did see um but which is which are some of the most important works that you know we would talk about anyway that is very cool that you were able to see a Basquiat exhibit I to the best of my memory I don't think I've seen um an exhibit that specifically focuses on his work but I'm also not surprised to hear that he drew in a, a much more younger crowd and that his poll is much much more of you know mm-hmm. cool people no I'm just kidding <laughs> older people can be cool but but no his work is super resonant um with young people and with contemporary uh people today and especially like movements like the Black Lives Matter movement um has uh, taken on a lot of his symbols and iconography and incorporated them into uh sort of their social justice iconography, which I think is a really powerful message in the way that his work continues to be um, incredibly relevant. And he's also a tremendously successful artist. Um, He is someone whose work has sold for some of the highest prices, um, literally in all of history. (laughs) At the time that his piece for the most money was purchased, I believe it was a the most expensive art sale of an American artist. I'm not sure if this record has been broken or not, but he, I, st- I still think he's in the top 10 for like of all art pieces ever sold in the price uh, that was paid for his work. Now, when we'll get into this a little bit more in his life in general, but he died very young at the age of 27. Um, he did see, a, for contemporary artists, he did see tremendous success even during his lifetime. Um, but it is incredibly sad that he died so young, especially since, I mean, he was he was successful in the 80s. He would still be alive and making work. And I cannot even imagine the kind of work that he would be making right now and in the past few years and how vital that art would be that we will never get to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely um, is very sad and unfortunate that he, um, you know, he passed away so young. And um, I guess if he was alive, he would be like, obviously much older now. But even then, like his work is so captivating for young people today like people who are in their teens or 20s or 30s today are and and all ages you know even and also older 
um, adults are very much drawn into his work. So yeah, like he, he, he despite the fact that you know he does focus um, a lot of his topic on the experiences of being black in America, like he definitely um, you know has a huge, hugely diverse audience. Yes, that's certainly true. And then I but I also think that his work is so tremendously important um, to black people and like specifically black Americans and the kind of work that he was making and sort and reaching a tremendous success for himself and also sort of reaching across uh, and also his ability to reach across different generations in this way and to still be relevant. And it, and, and I think that he was like fundamentally making art for black people and people who were like him and elevating that in a way that black people often don't get to see themselves represented um his continual motif of crowns and of can and of like almost canonizing historical black figures um like he had a particular interest in jazz legend charlie parker um and depicting them as heroes and saints um and kings and himself as as a king with this <laughs> sort of repeated motif of the crown and all of these different ways and all these different ways that he really sought to represent black culture um at a time in like obviously continuing to this day where people want to dismiss uh, the work of black people and the achievements of black people, which is something that even though he did like achieve a great success during his life um, for sort of like a contemporary artist, um, which is not super common, he often was belittled. Um, he started out his sort of artistic career as a graffiti artist um, when he was basically a teenager and even though he transitioned out of that pretty quickly and started rising up the ranks of the art world and um, his general different like sort of mainstream markers of success this idea of him as a graffiti artist followed him for the rest of his life um, and was used to dismiss his work in a way that like clearly was very racist um, and did not allow him to sort of and I I think that I've made it clear on previous episodes that I love street art and I don't <laughs> consider it a lower form of art at all. Um, but in the way that it was sort of weaponized against him, it definitely was a term that people were using to try to belittle his work and to not grant him the same legitimacy as other quote unquote fine artists. Yeah, and um, we yeah we definitely have talked about street art and graffiti before with um, episodes such as the Banksy episode, and you know we kind of talked about how yeah even today it's still uh, in some or in many people's eyes not really seen as like quote-unquote real art and that definitely plays into some people's perception of Basquiat um, and then um, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier regarding uh, yeah like his depiction uh, of black American life um, I think in terms of uh, this is this is a bit of a tangent but um, in terms of I think one of the reasons it was so successful even here in Canada, especially in Toronto, um, is because we, we definitely have a huge um, black community in Toronto. And uh, just like Basquiat, the majority of uh, black Torontonians are actually Caribbean uh, Canadians. So they, they trace their heritage to, you know, places like Haiti or Puerto Rico, which um, I think uh, is where... Um, Basquiat's uh, ancestry comes from and so um, anyway so like so not only there's like that connection but uh, there's also a lot of parallels in um, in Toronto and in Canada with experiences of black Canadians it's obviously very different from the American experience um, you know we we don't have the same history of like slavery as well as segregation but there definitely you know was a lot of 
racism as well as mistreatment and just um also like i think the thing that is significant in toronto is there has been a continual erasure of black culture like um just like other immigrants like jewish immigrants chinese immigrants um like black caribbean immigrants in toronto there's a huge rich history of this group of immigrants but um nobody really talks about it there's very few you know historic records there's not really any like or as far as i know there's not many like museums or exhibits uh featuring black torontonians and a a lot of canadians a lot of torontonians kind of saw these parallels and um it really resonated with us in terms of like our shared and common history that's a really good point, and that's a really good insight into the way that this work translates um, in slightly different areas and different groups and how it can be interpreted to sort of um, to represent different variations of the same struggle. So focusing in a bit on the specific exhibition uh, that we've mentioned at the Guggenheim, so this was called Basquiat's Defacement, The Untold Story, and it centered around a painting called Defacement, The Death of Michael Stewart. So Michael Stewart, if you are not already familiar with his story, um, he was a young black artist in New York City who actually was a contemporary of Basquiat's. They kind of ran in the same circles, kind of knew each other. And he was a street artist and he was tagging in a New York City subway. Allegedly, I I am not sure if he actually what the exact details on exactly what happened are a little fuzzy because of a thing I'll get to in a moment. Um, But he he was a street artist. um, And this was something that he did uh, was like tag walls um, and subway stations and stuff like that. But he was basically hunted down by the New York City Transit Police. He was horribly beaten. um, And he later died after 13 days in the hospital. And uh, this kind of thing might sound really familiar to most of the people listening. I mean, these are stories that we hear over and over again. They are the same fights that are being fought right now. Um, And just as the Black Lives Matter protest movement of the past few years and of literally at this second, um, there was a huge reaction, um, especially in New York City and especially in the artists of New York City as sort of reacting to this horrible instance of police brutality and the death of a young artist. Unfortunately, as you might be able to guess, um, all of the policemen who were involved in this uh, were let off and were not punished. Um, And one of the sort of framing narratives around the uh, social justice and um, artistic response to this was Michael Stewart, the man that nobody killed um, because he was clearly beaten and died, but um, no one was ever charged with his murder. So Basquiat would frequently say things like, it could have been me. Um, and he meant that quite literally. I mean, he had a ha- he had a background as a street artist. Um, they shared a circle of friends and like was, it, like literally could have been him. They were both um, young black men of about the same age. There were lots of similarities between them. And so he took it very personally um, and very intimately with his life. Basquiat's specific reaction to this was to um, paint this piece called Defacement, which he actually did on the wall of Keith Haring, who was another very famous contemporary artist. And they were friends. And he literally came over to uh, Keith Haring's studio and did this work. And so this was never really intended for sort of public consumption in the same way some of his other work was but um it's very in his style of uh these 
line drawings um, and very sort of fluid uh, colors that aren't contained by those lines. Not um, And so he chose to represent what happened to Michael Stewart in the form of two police officers who kind of have red faces and blue uniforms um, who are surrounding a black silhouette figure um, and they're beating him with sticks. On the top of it, it says defacement with a copyright symbol. I said it like that because there are question marks around it. Um, I wasn't just questioning what it says, but yeah, um, which is very typical of his work. He often incorporated uh, words um, into his art. Uh, he was also a poet and a musician and like had a lot of word focus um, as well as sort of his uh, repeating motifs of iconography that sort of that sort of signified a Basquiat piece. But yeah, so he did this piece on the wall of Keith Haring's studio, and then Haring actually removed it from the wall and placed it in an ornate gold frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is interesting uh, because in a way, yeah, it is like you can tell it's a Basquiat if you've seen a lot of his work because of the way it's painted and drawn. Um, but in a way, it's also kind of different. Um, Le, Le Bouvier, the curator, actually commented um, in one of the interviews that like it is in a way kind of devoid of usual motifs um, such as the crown uh, as well as like he often has signifiers of black achievement um, in his work you know such as um, his works that are you know uh, about Charlie Parker and um, musicians that he think represent like success and uh, because obviously in this particular context, uh, context it's not about success it's about continual um, terribleness. <laughs> I can't really find a good word there, but um, this one is like it's it's Basquiat, but it's also different. Like he's expressing in a way, expressing it in a way that's not typically how he would um, express black people in his work. And even though um, it does seem like I'm not exactly sure, there is like a sort of circle above Michael Stewart's head, which could imply that you know he's an angel or a saint. Um, Michael Stewart was depicted by many uh, other artists subsequently in sort of a saint-like way so that's that could be what it's alluding to um and then the other thing is that um Basquiat was also inspired by uh, another artist who did a poster it was uh, like a a protest poster done by the artist uh, David uh, Waranovich. And so it was also featured in this exhibition um, at the Guggenheim. So yeah, there was, there's like kind of a multiple of inspirations as well as like a different expression of what he normally does in this work. Yeah, one of the great things about this exhibit is the way that it does place uh, this specific painting as well as Basquiat's work in general in conversation with each other and in conversation with other artists of the time um, and sort of other reactions to the murder of Michael Stewart. Um, like like you said, they have this poster there, which scholars believe directly inspired uh, Basquiat's defacement, um, as well as having works by other well-known artists of the time including Andy Warhol and Keith Haring, um, as well as some prints by artists like David Hammond and George Kondo, uh, Lynn Ashton Harris, like lots of different pieces that interpreted the his death and the reaction to his death in different ways, which I think is, like, that's one of the main reasons why I wish 
I had gone to see it. Um, if only I need to research the exhibits that are in town when I visit places better. Um, <laughs> Me too. Because there is like most uh, great museum exhibits, there is a book available um, about this exhibition and um, and all the works that are in there with commentary from the curator and. Um, all this amazing information. Unfortunately, I was not able to read that book before this uh, recording, but it is out there. It'll be linked in the show notes if people are interested in diving in deeper. But just reading the commentary that I was able to read um, from Le Bouvier and her insights into not only Basquiat's work, but the way that she placed um, his work in conversation with a wider conversation around Michael Stewart and not making and making the exhibit about Basquiat, yes, but on the sub level, it is about this wider reaction in the art world um, to the murder of a young black artist and the way that those kind of intersections were vitally important at the time and continue to be vitally important. And I think that kind of thing is why art museums really matter and why it matters the way that you curate things. Like, <laughs> words mean things, yes. Um, but but you know what I mean. Um, and th- this is something that was done with so much care and with so much scholarship into a, a very particular issue and a very particular time and place and people um, that is not the kind of thing that really exists anywhere else Um not even to mention uh, that this exhibit also included things like um, newspaper clippings and art from Stuart himself um, that were rarely have ever seen. And being able to bring something that happened decades ago in the life of a man who was killed decades ago to life in the Guggenheim in 2019 is something that's almost like magic. It, I mean, yeah, it definitely contributes to one of the reasons why I'm I'm definitely disappointed that I didn't go see this. Um, like again, even though I have seen other works in this show, like I did see um, Defacement at the 2015 AGO show. Um, I did see many other works by Basquiat. I saw some of the other works uh, of his that were also in this show, like um, his his painting um, Irony of a Negro Policeman in 1981, and also La Hara, also painted in 1991, with also subject depicting uh, the police. And But I just think the context of this particular show in placing it with um, works by Stewart himself, works by Keith Haring, by Hammonds, by um, these other contemporary artists and their reaction as well as, you know, the context of the history with the news clippings. Like it, it, it really, it gives, it would, would have, I think it would have given you um, different experience than seeing like a retrospective of, you know Bas Basquiat or Keith Haring or even their works together like I like I did see and um yeah like I I also was uh quite blown away by um Keith Haring's work that was in this show so his work is called Michael Stewart USA for Africa and it's a painting that has um a black man being strangled by I think like handcuffs or something metal um and his neck is like stretched out like a lot and um he's also handcuffed um at his hands and uh, he's like naked and then there's like a the earth is to the right and the earth is split in half and it looks like molten lava is pouring out of the earth but then like in the lava there's hands of different colored skinned people like struggling it's almost like everybody is 
in pain because of this but then like there's like a hand that looks like it's about to choke uh michael stewart's neck that's a green hand with a money sign um so anyway like uh, keith hearing obviously he it, this has a lot of keith hearings uh, motifs like the money sign and things like that in it uh, but again it's different from the rest of his work um if you kind of know about his stuff but uh yeah so like it is I, I think it's like looking at Basquiat's uh defacement and looking at Herring's work as well as the works of most other artists like I think it makes me feel like not only like you know sad but also just like really I want to say like uncomfortable and pain in a way that's not like obviously I can't feel the pain of like Michael Stewart and his family but like just in terms of like I yeah like it, it's it's very powerful like I almost in words that I obviously currently can't even describe um <laughs> but this show is definitely seems quite unique because it's not just about an artist it's not just about a painting it's not just about um the history of what happened it's kind of about all those things and how um like an entire community uh even globally um reacts to something like this has happened and then obviously how relevant it still is in 2019 and 2020 so the other oh yeah and the other thing about this work is in addition to the actual show itself like the actual if you had actually gone there um, and walked around, um, there there's a lot of like research and scholarly work that was put into this. Um, Le Bouvier wrote many essays in the catalog. Uh, she interviewed members of the initial grand jury of the trial for the police officers. Uh, she interviewed Michael Stewart's mother and also um, other artists who were featured in in the show and so that who are still alive, I guess. Um, and so uh, and then you know there's also talks and um videos and stuff that uh the ones that she did get to produce which we'll talk about later um that you know there's there's a lot of media that we can still dive into that has just so much more information and gives you so much of a historical context of this show that I think is really important and like I don't always buy exhibition catalogs and you know look beyond what I see in a in a art uh art gallery when I go see a show but I think this show is definitely even though I didn't see it I feel like if I did I would have bought the catalog and just try to you know read more about um its backstory I think that is a very good place to lead us into part two so as we said in the beginning part two will focus more on the experience of the curator of this exhibit Shadria Lebouvier both sort of her background with Basquiat and how she came to the Guggenheim and what happened after she got to the Guggenheim. So join us in two weeks uh, for the conclusion to this little two-parter. In the meantime, uh, you can find our show notes for this episode at relay.fm slash pictorial. And you can also find us on Twitter or Instagram at pictorial pod, where we're going to post some of the images from this exhibit and Basquiat's work. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at ArticulationsV. And I am also on YouTube as Articulations. And speaking of YouTube, we also upload these podcast episodes to YouTube. Um, you can look for Pictorial Podcast, where we will uh, upload the same episodes of these show. But along the way, you can follow the images that are shown on the screen, uh, which displays what we talk about within the show. Thanks for listening, our enthusiasts. 